The Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Motor Bunny, the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator that offers fabulous creative sexual experiences. We use it and it rotates, it vibrates, and it delivers mind-blowing orgasms. Enjoy Motor Bunny as your favorite sex toy. When you order the Motor Bunny, multiple attachments are included along with the link controller, which allows wireless control from anywhere. Motor Bunny is the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator on earth. Use the link in the show notes and spice up your sex life with a Motor Bunny. You're listening to Kinky Cocktail Hour, a conversation between adults about sex-forward relationships, kinky lifestyles, and frank communication. If you're under 18, please stop listening and visit scarletteen.com. I'm Lady Petra. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. I'm Sapphire My pronouns are him, his, and he. And this is Kinky Cocktail Hour. Cheers! Cheers! Okay, so what are we drinking today? We're drinking something called Al Capone. Al Capone. So, yeah, so it, so it fits into our spectrum of cocktails that we enjoy. It's a descendant of a Negroni. Okay. And it was created by a Brooklyn bartender named John Bush. So this has, so three parts of rye whiskey, one and a half parts of vermouth. And we have a nice uh, Doulon Rouge vermouth, but it'd be interesting because they do recommend getting a spicy dark vermouth, which is, and you have to, that's one of those things you have to play with vermouths. There's all kinds out there. I figured out the Doulon Rouge is a great brand, so I like that. And then you do half a part of Campari and orange twist. Cool. It's pretty. Smell the orange. Oh, that's good. It is good. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I think if you did that with just bourbon, it wouldn't be the same. Nope. It's the rye. It's the rye The spiciness it. of the rye that does it. That's why I think a spicy vermouth would be really good with yeah. that. Definitely a sipping drink. Yeah. Do you have a big bowl in there? You do. Yeah. Yeah. Big ice cube. No, I like that. That's good. It's got a... It's a big boy drink. It is. Yeah, it's a sipper. Mm-hmm. And it's yummy. Yeah. Okay, so... Chapter four. Chapter four. All right, what was your take? Lots of her history on just her own identity as a woman. Yeah. I wouldn't say all women go through this. I know that I've experienced things that she's talking about of of trying to figure out how you fit in with your fashion sense. There's people that say, well, this person has automatic fashion sense. And I think that, you know, she talks about being raised in Burlington mm-hmm. and kind of being a tomboy kind of thing. She just didn't have the environment to nurture those things, to see them over time and then become clear on what she likes and doesn't like. Mm -hmm. So she did a lot of the cheating, you know, fake it till you make it kind of thing, where you look in magazines and follow on whatever the fashion industry says is popular. And she's also then torn with the professional women that are successful and how they dress And all this creates this fashion identity that is part of her persona, her costume, to be ready to interact with the world. And that's both in her business life and in her education life and in her personal sexual life. She talks about clothing being something that doesn't come to her easily. It really just is a costume. Mm -hmm. 
you know, if you spend any time on the East Coast, like mm-hmm. in New York City, for example, mm-hmm. the women dress city dress. They have like mm-hmm. a like a city costume, mm-hmm. very kind of chic and professional and fashion forward, mm-hmm. you know. And you can imagine how growing up, like she's pretty young, she's coming out of college. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, in college you wear like a hoodie and sweats and a torn t-shirt, right? right. That's kind of your right. your gear. And she steps into this world in New York where she's stepping, oh, into in D.C., wherever she is. She's stepping into the the bank yeah, the environment. Yeah, financial industry. Where it's professional dress. Yeah. And so she's got to have that outfit and costume. Because well, it's, it's all about looking good, right? Like you have to look the part. Yeah, you fake it till you make it kind of thing. Right. And, and the idea is, though, it was interesting when she talked about being a younger person, about if I if I got this correct in the chapter, you know, that most people were wearing perfectly ripped jeans, just enough of the wear on the jeans. When You know, remember when jeans came out and yeah, they were well, acid I think, watch? I think she, what she was speaking to was when she first went to college... The attire she came to college with was her Vermont attire. And the kids coming from these prep schools had a little bit more of a prep school kind of outfit. Well, and that's what I'm talking about. But yeah. she was talking about school, younger school, yeah. where she would wear a school uniform. Well, she, yeah, she went. She talked about go, being at a, in a school in England where she would wear a school uniform. She Well, that she wanted to be there. Yeah. But she wore that to school, mm. despite her classmates, because she talked about being ridiculed mm. and teased. I don't know if she used that costume at that point to hide behind her mental brilliance, because she was above her peers. Mm-hmm. And so she's already ridiculed for the, you know, being smart. Nerdiness, right. And so yeah, she might have used the costume to have another way to validate and hide behind. Yeah, I mean, I never got that sort of overtly from the, the the text. But I really got present to her clear awareness of the role of her attire as she navigated through the world that she was in. Mm-hmm. And But she could only do that because she had the money. Eventually, right. Right, I mean, that was the whole point behind right. it, is that she talked about not being affluent, not have the money, right. but that now she's making... That why in college when BFB came to visit, why it was so important that she put her costume on right. and her act together right. to get the hire. Right. Because the thought of having a job that could pay her student loans was unimaginable. Or more than her student loans. Right. 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 Yeah. And then, you know, she's working. Now she's in a now she's a working girl, you know, mm-hmm. and she's got to have the working girl outfit. And so she takes advantage of the professional shoppers because she doesn't have time to shop. She doesn't even know how to do that. And that's doesn't even know that's how to the do whole it. point. Is she right. talks about her journey in that she doesn't know how to have the the fashion sense for herself. And truly as I look at the whole details about her describing this, at the end I think she starts to figure out what she likes. Right. But she's just starting to figure that out. Right. The whole point is she starts morphing on other people. She looks at other sure. professional women, asks them who their shoppers are, gets people to shop. I think that's natural. I don't, I, think that, I don't think that's extraordinary. I think that would be a natural way for a woman to break into the scene in, in, a, in the big city, you know, to, to look to others and see what they wear and find out where they get it and find out who shops for them. I think that's a natural process. 
Possibly. You know, I mean, how else are you going to get that information? Well, there's definitely women that grow up in female households that have the direction. She wasn't that woman. Well, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm alluding to. Yeah. She didn't have those skills going there. That's why I wasn't put off by her way of acquiring her skills. I'm not putting off by that. What I'm saying is everything she's doing is not her authentic self because she hasn't even figured that out. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. I get that. And it's all a prelude Mm -hmm. to the title of the chapter, which is Hunting at the George Hotel. Right, right. Because she describes friends with benefits. Yep. And how she acquired these friends with benefits to give her that sexual release when she needed it because she just didn't have time for relationship. Well, yeah, she had referenced she hadn't had sex in a year when she first started this project and that she was channeling Erica, the one that in earlier chapters who had shown her the ways of going to a tavern or a bar and positioning yourself in a way to pick people up. Right. And you sort of get her mindset. You know, she's a little bit nervous to begin with and she's a little bit concerned. She has concerns about being spotted. So she goes to a bar 20 blocks away, you know. Mm -hmm. She's worried about... In some level, her, her colleagues finding her in yeah. that space. Yeah. At other times, she's worried about people from her like school or you know other folks that she's encountered spotting her. Yeah. On this process of hunting for a man, but you know she sort of sucks it up and she puts herself at a bar and mm-hmm. she dresses the part. Well, and she also learns pretty quickly because she puts some effort into explaining this that she realizes. No one cares. Like, no one's really watching her as she walks in the bar as a single woman, right. perching herself at the bar and thinking all these stories that she was creating in her head that she thought they were thinking. Well, you know, People that's are interesting. People are very self-centered. They're very focused on themselves. They're that's, not really focused on you. That's the interesting thing about living in a city, right? In a city, you're sort of anonymous, mm-hmm. you know, in a big yeah. city, you know, compared to what you might have expected coming from a smaller town. Exactly. You know? And I think that is what her reference is. Yeah. And so she seats herself at the bar, and she picks up a fellow. And this is the part that I was a little bit surprised by in the writing, which was that the chatter went from hello to hot sex talk really quickly. Yeah, and I know that that happens, but I guess where I was left is... Before the guy even came up, as she was yes. describing how she hunts. Yeah. Uh, and, and this is just this character. I, I, I know that these people exist, but all of it is premeditated inauthenticity. Right. You know, putting a certain type of book on the table to create conversation. Right. Which is so, for me, it's so hard to hear that because it's like, fine, you want sex? Fine. Totally go to a bar and get sex. The reality is... I've gone to bars, especially when I was just starting my divorce, like going for my therapy appointment. I go have go to the bar and sit for a little bit while yeah. I was waiting. You know, I could orchestrate anyone coming and talking to me. That was easy. Yeah. But I just did my own thing and still got chatter from people because I I was not being weird and trying to orchestrate something. Right. So I get the orchestration is also part of the. Mm, currency involved between that type of transaction, that type of... It's just posturing, really. Yeah, and then the whole, the fawning at each other and things, I think, maybe I'm just 
I think I'm erotic and sexy, and I think I, with the right person I, that I choose, I'm that. But a total stranger, there's like going to be some, it isn't about looking good either. It's just, the idea is, I mean, you're there to have sex, so straight up just say. Well, right, so, so here's the question. Why play that game? Well, here's the question. So, in a few minutes, you have to get from hello to let's fuck. Right? Right. And so the question is, what happens in those few minutes? You've got to get related to somebody. You've got to get enrolled in who they are. And you've got to be willing to spread your legs for him. Like, that's basically what's got to happen in a few minutes. On the other side, he's got to make sure that you're not going to, you know, be some kind of crazed human being who's going to, like, freak out on him or something or accuse him of something, right? And all that, all that conversation's got to happen in a second. So the question is, what is that conversation? And see, I was left with... That conversation never really happened in this chapter between mm-hmm. him and her. They said, let's go sit at the dark bench. And then he's got his his hand on her cock. And they're talking about the it, couple on, at the it, next she's table. Got, he's pulled her hand yeah. on his cock. And I'm just going, like, that would never happen in my world. Like, I don't see how that could happen I have, in that way. I have seen people, been in, clubbing in Hollywood and yeah. being with friends that overt. I, I've seen this. But what I'm left with is... Uh, I guess part of it is not my style. The seduction of it. Right. I don't care if it's a fuck me, just a fuck me, I need to get fucked and that kind of thing. That's one thing. But if I'm going to do that, I mean, like, there's going to be a little banter going back and forth. And I'm going to pretty much be straight ahead. Because I was like that before in the sense of that dance of playing around is kind of bullshit because no, you, it isn't. It isn't. You said there's a seduction that's got to happen. It didn't occur for me. This is my point. It didn't occur to me as a seduction. It occurred to me as we're just shifting from the bar to the table to the bedroom. Like that's the well, which is what I think she was wanting to do. But what I'm saying is, as she went from the dark spot yeah. to the room, yeah, the information she had gathered about him as a Safe fuck, let's just say. Yeah. As I don't know this guy, and I've it's only been twenty minutes, right? right? Wow, I was amazed uh, because she's not because because frankly she's not a hooker, right? So so that's where the context changes, right? She made that transaction like a hooker would do, mm-hmm. and no disrespect to street workers or sex workers, that's not what I'm saying, but that was more transactional. Like, would be with a sex worker, like, honey, let's go take this someplace else. Right. That's really what it is. If you, talk, if you think about the interview we just had with Bunny. Right. She's basically in a, in a hotel party. Right. And then the person basically said exactly this, which would be no different than sticking my, her hand on his crotch, would be say, hey, can we go outside to do something different? I can see that if she were a hooker and they had determined that she was a hooker. But No, but that's what I'm saying. She made the transaction like it was a street. Yeah, I'm saying that the transaction didn't occur. I'm saying that the scene changed, mm. and the transaction didn't occur. The, the seduction didn't occur. It was very... Well, no, that's what I'm saying. I'm agreeing with you. There yeah, is no so, seduction with a sex worker. What I'm saying is it went from zero to 60. Right. And then I was wondering, you know, how old is she here? 20-something? Yeah, 20-something. 23, 24. And he's 50-something. She like 40s or 50-year-olds, something like yeah. that. I don't know. It was it was odd. Well, she went from is, also being in the room confused by him asking her to do certain things, yeah. like confused and bewildered, like a little kid would be, right. to all of a sudden mastering it. Right. And I was like, 
Nah, that's not what happens. Because when people get embarrassed about saying things, they go through this whole stutter thing and they, they fumble over their words. And she also came out with like a crack star and she relates it. They try to relate it back to the reading of the, the penthouse right. when she was a kid. Right. But that's rehearsed. I mean, sexy talk, if you read anything about sexy talk, hmm. because that is a a point that comes up in kink a lot where people talk about how do you learn to find your sexy talk voice. Yeah. It, it's really about practicing. Rehearsing. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there are a couple things in this chapter that I can step over because it's really about, the chapter's really about her getting related to herself as a sexual dominant. Yeah, she does say... She does get related. She gets excited by the control she had. Yeah, she gets related to herself as a sexual dom- dominant there's this whole back and forth about, you know, her sucking his cock and the conversation that you just referred to about that. Mm-hmm. And then they go and have sex. The, the sex is sort of described, but it's really more about her becoming related to herself, taking charge in a sexual situation. And I didn't feel like she enjoyed the sex like she enjoyed the power. Right. Like she made a point to describe the power in a way that seemed titillating. Right. to her and then she talked about her pussy being battered and that, that that was just the course of events in having sex to get to my orgasm it was like mechanical like I needed to go through this right. when he started fucking her on the bed I'm not saying he was a bad fuck or anything like that right. but she was it was more mechanical in nature to get to an end event without the same intrigue that she expressed with the power because right. when she expressed the power, she definitely was intrigued by that. Yeah. The sex on the bed was like, okay, she did, she even said she waited the, what, the complimentary 10 minutes and then got up to leave. Right. Yeah. I mean, we don't know where this scene that she's describing occurred. In time. In her exactly. experience yeah. of being a bar hookup. Fuck. A bar fly. Right? Yeah. But it was really clear that... We get the thread of the conversation, which is related to her sexual dominance Mm -hmm. being exposed in this conversation. And there's a little bit of a conversation early on where she tells him what to do and he says, well, yes, ma'am, or whatever. There's there's, a little bit of that. There's a little bit of that where she's getting access to her power, but it's not complete. And he still... She puts herself forward as being used and, and Well, so and on. even when she was undressing him, there were parts where I thought she was dominant and then parts where she was submissive. Right. I mean, if I was a was dominé, it? I would be, you fucking take your own shoes off right. and your stinky socks. I'm not touching those. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I kind of thought, she's on her hands and knees. Like, wow, that's really not dominant at no. all. Not that I'm uh, judging whether she is or isn't, but, but it's just observing. It, was very, it was very apparent towards the midpoint in that scene where she switches and she really identifies with like, wow, I really like this. And so then I'm like saying to myself in my head, like, okay, never do that again. Never do what you just did in the precursor. Fucking make him do it. Make him undress you, whatever. Right. You know, so it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see how she's developed and unfolds. Yeah. Because I think it's coming. I think we're getting a whiff of what's to come. Right. Yeah, and then, you know, she takes herself off and she doesn't give him her name and she doesn't get his name. And she specifically just an, does that. Just an she gets his card. Card. She gets his card. Right, but she doesn't look at his card. She just puts it in her purse. Right, but what I'm saying is he doesn't get any information about right. her. She's in control again. Right. She takes his card and he's now at her mercy. 
Right. As for to, a call. Right. And I think that was a powerful way to end it. Yes. Not a, you know, I get that the statement was made at the end, like, I never asked you for yours. Right. Okay, that's an obvious power exchange going on at the end. But what was really powerful is when she took his card. Right. And he knew, because she gave him nothing. Right. That it's all her right. power yeah. on whether he con- she he yeah. gets contact. So that's again. why I say you know there were there were parts of this chapter where you get a glimpse at her in a dominant space, right? And there were parts where you get a glimpse at her submitting sexually, and both of those things will play in the future. I think. Oh, I think so too. Yeah, I think so too. So it's, yeah. it's very fascinating. Yeah, I think interesting. You know, we're seeing her go from the last chapter where she had her first sexual encounter where she touched a boy and he ejaculated instantly. Yeah, like a high school love but, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, basically. To, or I think college maybe, but but uh, to a several years later, maybe multiple episodes in because it's about her like needing sex from time to time and it's been a year since she had sex. Mm-hmm. So now we see her as a more established sexual creature and she's playing with this power dynamic herself because sometimes she's more dominant and, and at times she's more submissive. Well, and if you think about the foreshadowing of us knowing what the jacket of the books talks about. Right. You, when I go back to my point about her being transactional in yeah. their interaction in the bar, yeah. you can see her moving in the direction of a transactional sexual dominant because that's what would happen. I mean, I think that's not untrue. Because it and reminded I, I, me of more of a professional sex worker movement. Yeah. Movement into that realm versus the average civilian. Right. Right. Well, very interesting. We'll see. I'm excited to see how this plays out. Yeah. So the, I know the book's in two parts. There's part one and part two. Correct. And in part one, I think it's really leading up to the financial crash. That's sort of part one. And laying the groundwork for that you understand who she is, like her yeah. basis, like where she's been and where she's kind of evolved during this period of time. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's fascinating because it's interesting, too, to read <laughs> descriptions of sex. It's You forget when we were younger before the Internet. Right. <laughs> I have to date myself. Those types of things would be in Penthouse right. and in Playboy. Oh, I used to read and, letters. And, you know, and so then even when things came online, you would be reading sexually explicit things. And now we've been in a period of time for a long time yeah. where pornography or sexual explicit details of, inf- is, well, it's v- available in a visual audio sense. Right. So we don't often are reading texts that describe sex. We're actually no. watching a video or hearing someone talk or hearing right. them have sex. Right. And so it, it's interesting to watch how an author develops a sexual scene right. and the words they choose. And I think, oh, yeah, that's a good word. Or, oh, I, I wouldn't have chosen that word. Or, right. wow, you know. And it's not that they're describing the sex wrong or right or anything. It's I'm not saying that. It. It's just the way they describe it. They have to use words in a way to create that picture in your but head. We've struggled with words. Like we've yeah, struggled and, to and, use and words. that's what I was coming up with. I was yeah. thinking to myself, wow, I get what's happening in this scene, right. but I'm struggling because there's more in this scene that we're not even getting. Right. Because there aren't words to describe what's really happening. Because they're having, when the author describes the actual acts that are happening. Yeah. Meanwhile, we all know this, the two individuals 
involved are having their own conversations in their head at right. the same time right about all kinds of things right and so that's you know when we encounter each other in a scene right. i can't speak for you i can only speak to what actions are happening right. but then i have my dialogue right and so it's interesting um that's my context especially my kinky life of what how to describe sex and why we've run out of words. And right. so I look at the text and I think, wow, I wonder what other words are, because there's other things happening. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the author's job to paint a picture with words. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. And when I read a book, I read it visually, which is to say, I imagine the pictures in my head that the author is describing. Mm -hmm. I don't just read the words. I actually exactly. visualize them. I try and paint a picture. Right. And so I think it's interesting because I'm developing a picture of this, this young woman. Me too. You know, and who she is and how she relates to the world. And so I think that's, that's interesting because we, we want to become sort of sympathetic to the character. Well, I already am. Yeah. I mean, I know that I'm critiquing because I'm critiquing because I'm looking very carefully at what she's doing. Yeah. And I'm not even judging the author. No. I'm really looking at the character herself. Like, she's right. a real person to me right now. Right. She's not make-believe. She's right. a person I come to every week and learn about. Yeah. And so I'm talking about her, even if she's made up. I'm talking about her directly. Right. Because inevitably, this is a compilation of all kinds of people melded together, and these are little bits of people we all know. Right. And so you're you're working out, what's amazing about reading in a book like this is you're working out in your own head all the dealings with these types of individuals right. that have become this character, right. this compilation. You know, you're a champion for them, you're right. urging them on, you're upset with them when they make a mistake yeah. <laughs> and you be and what it is is you i know we don't like to use the word attached but when i'm reading a book i do become attached to the characters well, because you become related to them i'm engaged with them yeah you become related to them and and you get enrolled in what they're up to yeah exactly you know? and so and that's that's that speaks to the author being so well good yeah. and you want to pull yeah. for her too you want, yeah. you want her to succeed so yeah anyway so that was chapter four next week chapter five that's it for today if you're interested in kinky relationship coaching, online domination, or if you'd like to sponsor the pod to keep it going, please visit our Patreon website at Lady Petra Playground. You can reach me via email at ladypetraplayground at gmail.com. Our music is composed and performed by Roger Ferguson, who can be found at rogerfergusonmusic.com. Till next time, cheers! Thank you.